Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the pound for pound best radio show around the world. It's Leave It In the Ring. What's going on, familia? How's everybody doing? Uh, welcome to the show again. Another edition of Leaving the Ring with your host, uh, Dave Duenas, and my co-host, Emil Carr, El Maestro. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Um, I really enjoyed the uh, 2 o'clock, uh, 5 o'clock live, uh, Leaving the Ring live, man. That was a really good show that you did earlier. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And it's funny because I put that one together literally at the last minute. Really? Yeah, long day at work. <laughs> really uh, busy weekend. <laughs> I, want, I wanted to get something out on Monday because I'm not going to be doing anything Wednesday or Friday this week, nor will I be on the round table. So I wanted to make sure I had something out there. And Sue says, can we talk about this Saturday? Bro, that's all we're going to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. There's so many fights happening for this Saturday. Sorry about that, bro, Carl. Just to respond back to Jesus and all that. Um, dude, there's so many fights. And I was telling that to Milkar right before we came on. I'm like, dude, there's a lot of fights happening. We got to get to. Uh, definitely going to break those down first immediately on the show. And then we'll talk about the, the hot topics of the week. Uh, there's, it's always changing like canzones when it comes to boxing. When you talk about any topic, uh, there's always something new popping, something new to talk about. But, but on the weekend of love, the week, and you're, you're going to be gone, right? The whole week, right? Yeah, I'm going to be away until uh, our next week's show on Monday, actually. I've uh, got a lot of things I need to take care of this week, and we're going to keep you occupied. Got you. Got you, man. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff here to talk about. I'll be gone for the weekend for Valentine's Day. Uh, just to give a quick, uh, you know, that's what we're going to have coming up after we talk about our picks and predictions that's happening this Saturday on ESPN and the Zone, man. Really excited about these fights. You know, uh, it was a really slow start for February, which is only one weekend. But us uh, boxing heads, you know, we wanted our fights like right now, today, not next week, not yesterday, today. So we're gonna get our boxing fix, man. To tell you the truth, on Saturday it's pretty sad. My old lady already told me. My wife already told me. She's like, "Hey, we're leaving." You know, no fights, but don't worry, guys. Don't worry about those. I got my cell phone. I'm going to be at dinner, and I'm going to have it underneath like a napkin. I'm watching the fights. I'll be tweeting back to folks. I'll probably get in trouble and get thrown in the doghouse. But I think with these fights that are happening on ESPN and zone, it's going to be worth it, Milkar. You don't have to lie, man. We all know you're going to be watching the Club Gate video YouTube. <laughs> How else am I supposed to sharpen up my skills without watching those shows, you know? You know? Speaking of dinner time and watching those myself. <laughs> oh. 
you know, when you said, <laughs> here's a funny thing. When you had talked about first thing in the morning, you get up and you go, you take your phone, you grab your phone, you go to the bathroom and you get on the shitter and you start watching these videos. I'm like, dude, at least I'm not alone. The only thing is I don't watch those uh, conspiracy gate gate shows. What I'm actually doing is like catching up in boxing news or catching up with uh, uh, emails from my clients. I do all my work there, you know, and everybody says, you're a busy guy, Dave. Oh, yes, I am. No matter where I'm at, I'm doing something. And I can see me and you are from the same cloth, my friend. <laughs> all right, man, so uh, let's get down to it. Let's talk some boxing here on Leaving the Ring. If you guys want to call in, you certainly can. 347-460-1773. Uh, we're going to talk about our picks. And as you guys can see in the overlay, it tells you this weekend schedule. And also... The uh, the bets, the bettings, uh, odds, and uh, whatever. I don't know what you guys call because I'm not a big better. So you guys could figure that all out there for yourselves. Keonda Jesus, run, the, run PMC, what's going on, my brother? Uh, A-Rod, what's going on, brother? Okay, so which one should we go off with first, man? Um, ESPN or DAZN? I mean, both, both networks are probably having some, I mean, they're both very competitive. Um, um, it, I think we're going to have a great night. Either way we go. So which one do you want to start with? I can't hear you, Milkar. I think you got yourself on mute again, my man. Why don't we start off with the JoJo Diaz uh, rack-em-up fight? That's what, that one's got really exciting. I'm a big fan of JoJo. JoJo Diaz and Rakimov fight, uh, which is, is going to be a great, great card. Um, I think Dundee undercard... If I remember correctly, let me see, let me check my notes here. Tashira and Castano, right, is on the undercard of that fight. Yes, sir. All right, let's go with the undercard first, which is going to be Patrick Tashira and uh, Brian Castano. Uh, Tashira coming in at 31 with one loss. Uh, Brian Castano is going to 16 with one draw with the 13 KOs. Give me your takes, man. What's your, what do you like about each guy, and what do you think? Well, uh, when you're talking about Castano, uh, you're talking about a guy who's from South America, mm -hmm. which usually means I don't honestly know very much about them, which is the case here. Um, he's out of Argentina. He's undefeated. He's 16-0. He's got one draw. He's got 12 of his wins coming by knockout. But you look down his record and... He's, he's got a couple names on there that will remind people of, uh, well, let's just put it this way, that, that are noticeable to people. He, we're talking about Erislandi Lara, obviously. Right. Um, who he fought uh, right here in, at the Barclays in Brooklyn. And honestly, he put up a pretty good fight, I thought. It was a split decision, right? And, um, uh, or a uh, draw, rather. And then uh, he took on uh, Wale Omotoso in his last fight. Wale Omotoso has been a competent guy, kind of just below world-class level. Yes. And now he's stepping up to take on a fellow South American. You know, we got that Brazil and Argentina rivalry that's usually specific to football um, coming over into boxing now. And I think he's a decent shot. He's talking about a guy who went 12 good rounds with... with uh, uh, well, sorry, boxed uh, Lara to a draw and is now being able to take on, uh, I would say, the weakest title holder in the 154-pound division. 
And that being Texera, because obviously Charlo's the savage a lion in that division. Right. And, um, you know, the winner of this fight is going to be set up with a very big payday. But, yeah, Castano's the mandatory contender. He's shown himself to be a professional, uh, if not world-class, world uh, championship-level fighter. And, yo, I'm, I'm excited about this fight. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm going forward too. You know, what I like about both fights, I mean, you mentioned Brian Castano against uh, Erivanda Laura, uh, which notably, it was a draw, but just like uh, my, my man uh, IBT said, uh, should have went to Castano. Um, yeah. You know, here's the thing. is is Tessera's 5'11". Castano was only 5'7". You know, I mean, they are fighting for the WBO junior middleweight uh, title, so it's going to go 12 rounds. Uh, my question is this, is, you know, because to show us who he is, he's a, he likes to throw wide shots. Uh, if you get him into a firefight, he's going to firefight with you. Um, he doesn't use his height uh, effectively. Um, he's, a, he's a workhorse, you know. He comes in and he tries to wear you down and, and, and just try to close that distance. Well, you could close that distance with him with, with no problem. Out of the better of the two, you would have to pick Brian as the better boxer and the much quicker reflexes and the and quicker hand speed um, it, it, between the two. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And the other thing I revealed earlier is that, believe it or not, Castano's got the bigger name on his record, even though he's the, the challenger going into this fight. There's no one on Fixera's record who is anywhere as good as, as Arislandi Lara. I mean, not even close. Not even no. close. No. And you know what? He got knocked out in 2016 uh, by Curtis Stevens, uh, but yep. since then he hasn't, you know, uh, he hasn't been stopped. Okay, so let me ask you, what do you think Castano's got to do to get the get the win in the bag. Well, I think in a fight like this, aggression is going to be key. Um, you mentioned the height disparity; that's definitely there. He's got to close the gap. He's got to get under uh, Texera's jab. If I'm Texera, I'm I'm using the jab as much as I can. Um, Castano's got a much shorter reach at sixty-seven <laughs> inches. So if I'm him, I'm doing what all the old school trainers tell you to do. I'm going to the body. I'm working on knocking down that tree by, by attacking the trunk. And I'm working to cut off the ring and land multiple shots uh, to the body. And when the openings are there, obviously uh, uh, attacked the, the head as well. But I'm definitely focusing on a body attack early on. And I don't want to use this comparison because... Um, Obviously, they're from the same country, but I, I really like the way that Marcos Maidana would be aggressive and attack the body in a lot of his, his fights. I think he's going to have to try to channel a lot of that on Saturday. Absolutely. You know, the one thing that I like about Castano is that, you know, and I think I, I completely agree with you. I think for him to close the distance and to keep Tashano shelled up where he's not going to open up with him is jab his way in. You know, another thing I would recommend for Castano to do is to get Tashana into a 
uh, a firefight. You know, like I said before, he's uh, uh, Teixeira is always willing to to accept that. He's always willing to go along the lines of a firefight with you, which he's not always the best at. He holds up his head high, and he's sometimes off balance. You know, and you know. The thing with Castano, I like to see a little bit more for him, and I think that the, it would be best for him, being that you know Texas five eleven is kind of work that body, you know, uh, work him to the body, and if you could push him back to the corner, you know, open up on him, uh, uh, you know, uh, make the ref, you know, second guess himself and maybe even jump in and get that possible TKO. But going with Teixeira, what do you think he's got to do for this in this fight? Well, when I start with Teixeira, I'd be reminisced if I didn't mention the fact I think that he's one of the weaker title holders in the sport. Um, if you look at how he won the title, he won a vacant version of the title against Carlos <coughs> Adamas. And, um, and, I mean, no knock to Carlos Adamas, but uh, I wouldn't really consider him a championship-level guy just yet anyways. And he's been elevated to... Full WBO champion because Jaime Munguia left the division and moved up to 160. So I, right. I've never really been thor thoroughly impressed by the Patrick Texera. I think he's unique. It's been a while since we've seen a champion out of out of Brazil. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the name that comes to comes to mind for me is obviously uh, Acelino Freitas. Freitas, right? Right. It's been a while since Freitas boxed. And, and Freitas was actually a decent boxer, a guy that used movement. And had power. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, I, I agree with you. He's got to box tall, but he can't leave his chin out there. He's got to use movement. And I would actually try to avoid the firefight and do my best to keep it as a boxing match. But, you know, if he needs to, obviously battle out on the inside. But I think activity is going to be key in a fight like this. I think so, too. You know, the one thing that Castano's going to bring to the table for the key to victories on his part is his hand speed uh it, it, is the fact that he doesn't sit and wait which he shouldn't do don't sit and wait to see what the texero is going to do next uh, you know another thing i like he that he does is he's got a quick right hand he's going to have to use that right hand a lot against tex because he's a he's a southpaw what i think that texero's got it texero's got to do is he's definitely got to use his height, which he doesn't really do. So I don't know if he's going to be ready to even make that adjustment. Um, I doubt it, you know. But he does use his left hook really good. Um, he throws that left hook. But he's got to, like, prevent himself sometimes, no card, tell me if I'm wrong about this, of getting wild. Sometimes I see him get a bit too wild and leaves him open because when he gets wild, he starts opening up his arms and opening up those shots. And that's where Castana, Castana can just get go down that pipeline and land the punches quicker and sooner than, than Tex can. You're, you're actually foretelling my pick, Dave. I, I have Castano winning this fight, and I've always felt that Teixeira, while he is a tough out, which is what someone had just mentioned in the in the chat. I, I, I don't have it up in front of me. I just read it, though. He is a tough out, but I, I think that... He's always been a future knockout victim of Charlo in my mind. Like you just said it, he opens up too much. Uh, defensively, I don't think he's as solid as I'd like him to be if I, if right. I was if I was backing him. 
And I think that Castano showed us enough in the in the Lara fight that he can he can box at the world championship level uh, against a top elite. And if he can get inside the jab, cut off the ring, and work the body and be an aggressive guy, which I think he's able, he's going to be uh, he's capable of doing. Uh, I think he's got a good shot at winning this fight. I think so too. You know, and going back to uh, to Texas, that that he does hold his head up high when he does pull away from an exchange. Uh, he, he has his chin right up in the air, like he's smelling the flowers in the park. He's got to stop that, and that's where Castano's right hand can land. Uh, so I'm I'm guessing I'm going to take an educated guess and say that you're going to go with uh, Castana. And by what? Possibly stoppage, maybe? Yeah, late late round stoppage. If I was putting any money down and I wanted to get a good return on my, then I'd be betting on that. But, you know, I won't be betting. But if I was, I was going to, that's probably what I'd do. And we do have the betting lines on the overlay down below. You can check that all out if you agree with that or not. I'm going to go with Costano, too. I think that he can get the possible... Ah, you know what? I'm not going to go with stoppage. Um... I'm going to go with decision, and I'm going to tell you why. You know, the thing with, with, with Brian is sometimes that I, I see is that he does tend to sit and wait. Uh, you know, and that might be kind of what's in the tank. He's trying to, you know, reserve, or he's looking for the perfect shot. Uh, whatever it is, that will allow Tex to get himself back into the fight. I do see a really big firefight. I do see Tex getting dropped. Tex, uh, Sarah getting dropped in the fight. You know, I don't see Brian getting in trouble anytime unless he gets stupid and he gets carried away and he doesn't look for those wide hooks that uh, uh, Sarah likes to throw. But in all honesty, I think he should go all the way to the to the to the twelfth round, and I think that Castano has no problem across the board with all the judges getting the win. Yeah, uh, I can't disagree with that at all. I think we're pretty much on the same page, David. Let us know what you guys think. Call in 347-460-1773. Once again, lines are open. The number is 347-460-1773. That's probably because I'm yelling, Tony. I have a, I have like, I don't know why, but I yell. I don't know, I shouldn't be yelling. I have the mic right here in front of me, you know? <laughs> My kids always, like, when I ask them to do something, they're like, why are you yelling? I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just the way I talk, man. You know? I got a lot of bass, Vato, in my voice. But let's go down to, on the, uh, on, uh, on the main event, and on the zone, you're going to have a great featherweight fight, which I'm really excited for. It is for the IBF title, which, uh, Jojo Diaz does hold at the moment. He's coming in at 31 with one loss. Uh, and he's facing a Russian, uh, Rakimov, who uh, is 15, undefeated fighter. He's 5'9", softball. He's got 12 KOs on that record. He's stopped 12 of his guys. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a blemish record at all. Let me ask you really quick, Mokar, who, what do you think that Jojo Diaz has got to do in this fight? What is his pros and cons in this fight here? Huh. I mean, look. He's, he's taking a tragic boxer, and um, those guys from Central Asia, they, they're usually known for two things. One, they're super tough, and two, 
they're trained in that Soviet style of like very technical boxing. And um, from what I've seen of, of Rakimov, this guy's good. Uh, he's tall, strong. Me, he's, he's strong. He's five foot nine, which is pretty big for a featherweight. And um, or, or in this case, sorry, a, a, a super featherweight. But yeah, for that weight class, five nine is 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 pretty tall. And I think this is going to be the fight of the weekend here. Um, do you know, sorry, really quick, just to answer runs. Uh, do you know, do you all know if Gis Jr. is with Paul Gis? No, I don't think he is. If I remember correctly, they, they've moved on. Um, don't hold me to it, but I, don't, I, I believe he's not with them. Go ahead, Amilcar. Yeah, so, look. JoJo's shown that he can fight all types of different guys, all kinds of different styles. Uh, you know, the one blemish on his record is obviously the fight to Gary Russell Jr. Gary, Gary Russell Jr. is a special talent, elite boxer, who can go 12 rounds, make you look bad, and not necessarily look spectacular in doing it, but he's a tough fight for pretty much anyone. And there, there's no shame in JoJo uh, having lost that fight. In this fight, I'm going to sound like a, like, a, like a scratch record because a lot of the keys that I listed in the last fight apply to this fight as well. JoJo's a shorter fighter. JoJo's got the shorter arms. JoJo <laughs> very effective at going to the body, and he's going to have to do that in this fight, and he's going to have to be an aggressive, volume-punching guy um, because he's not going to be able to get this kid out of there with one punch. I'm telling you that right now. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to go to work to get this victory, because this kid Rakimov is a, is a tough out. I don't even think he could take him out. To tell you the truth, I mean Rakimov doesn't show. Yeah, and, you know. Well, here's the thing about Jojo Diaz. We know a lot about Jojo Diaz. Okay, uh, his last fight was in January 30th of 2020 when he got in with Kevin Farmer, who I believe that was like his best performance that I have seen from Jojo. You know, because his past was uh, Gary Russell Jr. didn't look good. What is his letting his hands go? Um, you know, so there was a lot of questions there. You know, in background noises, huh? I don't. I don't yeah, know. From from your end, Dave, because I've muted myself. Hmm. I wonder why. I'm not sure why. It sounds like maybe there's a vacuum cleaner or I don't know something go, humming in the background. I mean, huh? How about that? No, it's kind of still there. How about that? Anybody hear anything? Yeah, that I, hear, I, I still hear it, yeah. Hmm. But I'll go back on mute because I, I... How about that? For my end, but it, I'll go back on mute so you can speak, though. Okay, well, I have to figure it out. I'm not sure. Um, we'll do that after. Uh, going back with uh, JoJo, okay. So, you know, that to me was his best performance, Tevin Farmer. Um, the one thing that he does is he, when, when at his best, he lets his hands go. Okay, and he's going to have to really do that, he, uh, uh, you know, in, in order for him to even dictate this fight because he's facing a very tough kid who's undefeated, whose confidence is at, at an ultra high. The, the thing that I don't like that that JoJo does, and I'm not sure if, if anybody is going to mention this, but he likes to walk himself back to those ropes, you know, and that's something that he's not going to be able to do with uh, with uh, Rakimov right now. He, You know, Rakimov is a guy 
that likes to come forward. He's a pressure guy, you know. He likes to come forward, and he does understand that when you touch that rope, you're back against that rope, he lets his hands go. So, Jojo's got to be on his toes. He's got to be really alert with this guy. He can't really fall asleep. But here's another thing. is Jojo's got to let his hands go, not just to the head. Don't be a head hunter in this fight. He's got to work that body there, in my opinion. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you, um, Dave. And if you bear with me for a moment here, I actually wanted to show a little bit of uh, in a victory that really actually impressed me. Um, this fight didn't take place on the zone, so I don't think we're going to be risking any kind of a copyright strike because those guys are just. Was it his last fight on the, the on the nineteenth in two thousand nineteen? When he it was up there. And took, took on the undefeated uh, Fazil. Yeah, I was very impressed by it. So I've got Fazil, Fazil, something like that, right? Yeah. Fuzil, I don't know if you could could share what I'd have there, Dave. In the, uh, I've got it queued up. Yes. Let's uh, go ahead. Let's put it up there. All right. So in this fight, he actually went to South Africa and took on an undefeated. Highly touted South African, at least highly touted in South Africa. Look, South Africa's got a great boxing tradition. Has always produced really good fighters. And, yeah, he went right into the lion's den. And I think this fight really prepared him well for the Diaz fight because he went into enemy territory. You see him there, as I said, he's a tall uh, boxer. He's a southpaw there. Um, he's got a really good, strong amateur background. It includes a medal at the uh, World University Games. So including... Being a high-level pro, this guy's obviously a college-educated uh, guy who's uh, uses that 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 mind and puts it to good use in the boxing ring because he does fight uh, pretty smart, pretty pretty well. Look, you see the high guard there, and you see he's got power because he kind of just shook the South African up there for for a second, but very very skilled boxer here you see him with with head movement at times that um using the shoulder uh, you can see this dave are you following along here with me oh yeah i am following along you know the one thing that though that that i could say let me go let's get right back to uh to us here um you know, the one thing that I don't like that he does is he likes to use his jab as a measuring stick, you know, and he yeah. kind of throws like a half. In that Soviet style, very common. Yeah, and I hate that. And I think that's where Jojo Diaz can capitalize on him, you know, is uh, go right over the over the top of that. Um, another thing, too, is that if you notice is that after he throws a flurry of punches, he kind of stands there and, and kind of like waits and sees your reaction and you know jojo is gonna have to see that right away and attack him immediately you know um again you know this is gonna be who decides to take the lead who's gonna who's gonna push who back to um to the ropes you know and uh i i think that's gonna make a big difference of who decides to take lead uh in this fight who decides to control the the ring um, and who dictates this uh, this pace? Because one of them is going to have to give, and I have a huge feeling that it could possibly be, um, you know, uh, Lakimov 
uh, it might be the guy that's going to want to do that. He's going to be the guy that's going to come forward. And if that's the case, JoJo's going to have to get on the bicycle here and there. He's going to have to do it in spurts and then stand his ground uh, so that he can let the other guy know that he does have some punching power as well. Yeah, I don't know if you can see me, Dave. It looks like I'm frozen on your screen. Yeah, I'm trying to fix that right now. Yeah. But yeah, that, that kind of long extended uh, jabbing uh, hand reach is something quite common in the uh, kind of old Soviet style of boxing. Uh, you'd see guys like uh, Kostya Zoo implemented a lot. Uh, the reason I don't think it's quite as effective for Rakamov is that uh, he doesn't have the kind of one-punch necessarily KO power while he is strong. He doesn't have that kind of one-punch uh, KO power that a guy like Kostyzu had. No. Kostyzu used to use it a lot of times to blind his opponents and boom, out of nowhere, to kind of copy a Teddy Atlas uh, over uh, <laughs> excited explanation, just drop the hammer, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. It might be my internet that's giving me the issue right now because, I mean, um, the milk car is frozen. <laughs> uh, unless the car you want to drop off and then come right back in. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I could, I could do that. Um, let, let's, I, I can do that for sure. Give me a second. <laughs> anyway, so going back with uh, Rock Mob, uh, you know, the thing that, that that I think that if anything is his jab is is, is very telling, you know. Um and we should have and there he is. And there he is. You know, the thing that, that he kinda tells you what he's gonna do next with Rakamov is that he, he uses that jab as a finder, okay? And what I and, and go again? How he, he you know like pities that jab out. He pities it out before he lets his hands go. And if JoJo and his team were watching any tape on him, they would realize that's what he's getting ready to push you back. That's what he's trying to do. He's that rate that jab finder. It's like a range finder as well because he's trying to measure his distance with you. But at the same time, he's putting that slight pressure to push you back. And with JoJo Diaz, in my opinion, what he's got to do is got to give different uh different angles, okay, and and I think that would confuse Rakamov a whole lot, because it would have to make him reposition, because he sits down on those punches when he decides to let his hands go, so there with Jojo is how good his legs are going to be, or is he going to make this into a huge firefight, which in my opinion, wouldn't be the smartest thing to do against Rakamov there, uh, Mokar. No, and uh, somebody called it in the chat, and Nando's absolutely right, I'm picking the upset special in this one. And with I, extra block, I'm, I'm going with, uh, with, with Rakimov. Yeah. You know, that's not, that's actually not a bad pick with Rakimov, just because the fact that, you know, to me, Jojo Diaz is like a, he's like a seesaw. He's either up or he's down. Which one are we going to get? Are we going to have the perfect guy that fought uh, Tevin Farmer, uh, who was on his toes, who was moving, with good different angles, letting his hand go? Or are we going to get the Russell, uh, Gary Russell Jr. version of Jojo Diaz? which he's going to sit, he's going to wait, and he might make this fight a lot tougher than it should, it should be. You know, because, you know... Dave, go ahead. One, one moment. I, I just read something from G-Funky. I think he has a point. Uh, you might be talking over your computer mic and not your uh, headset mic. No, I have everything hooked up. 
Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have everything hooked up. My earbuds in. Yeah. I have no clue why it's doing that. Okay. Hey, wait a minute. Let me see. Maybe it's because. How about now? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How about now? Oh, bro, that's like a million times better, fam. Okay, I I figured like, it out. It, you know what it sounded like before? What's it that? It sounded like uh, let's say I forgot something at work and I had to go back to the school and it's like seven p.m. and like the cleaners are like buffing the floors and vacuuming and stuff. Ah, that's literally what it sounded like. Like you were doing the show from from my workplace after hours. Okay, well I figured it out what it is and stuff. You know, we have there's like a um. It says uh, echo reducer thing, and I didn't have it on there, so I fixed it. There Got we go. It. There we go. Man, thank you for that. G Funky's doing that tech work. In I the know. Chat. Always working. <laughs> all right, glad that we were able to fix that and figure that all out. You know, but go back to your thought, man. Uh, finish up your thought there. Um, what you were saying. What was I saying? I'm I know. Saying, See, that's why I was hoping that you were going to remember what you were saying. <laughs> basically saying that uh, I think Rakimov is the uh, is is the black horse here right now. I, I, I think he can. I think he can pull it off. You know the the what? I, I agree with you. I I agree with you. You know when I'm looking though, I'm like thinking more and more about uh, Jojo Diaz. What he could do against Rakimov is that he could throw that uppercut. You know, Rakimov doesn't see it. Um, he walks in, like I said, you know, there's there's no finding Rakimov at all. I mean, I think we, we get, it's safe to say he's going to be there to be hit. But he's also there to be hit, but he's also there to hit you back, you know. And again, my biggest question with uh, JoJo is what version of JoJo Diaz are we going to get in this fight? Because, you know, the, the, version, that, the version that fought Tevin Farmer, I don't think Rakimov can beat. To tell you the truth, yeah, but I, I agree that's a very tough JoJo Diaz to beat. But that's also a very tough JoJo Diaz to be be after a long, long pandemic in this break. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's Sharp. That's a JoJo Diaz that's like hit his peak. I, I think that guys who are kind of inconsistent, which is what you've alluded to here, David. I don't think that. Right. The quarantine and, and the pandemic specifically is, is very good to guys like that, you know? Um, no. We, we no. look at a guy like David Benavides, right, who said that the reason he, he lost his title and didn't make weight was because of the pandemic and uh, how it affected his training and everything else. So, you know, it's it's you're right. And it's one of the reasons I, 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 I've got Rakimov here. Look. You got look. There's a few things here with these Central European, sorry, Central uh, Asian fighters that I've said before. They're tough. They're super disciplined. They're highly trained and they're highly skilled. And I have not seen many inconsistent fighters come out of that part of the world. No. It, you know, I, I I just haven't. And this guy's been tested on the road. Uh, again, he's a solid, solid guy coming out of the amateurs. He's got a good uh, defense. And you know what's always difficult to deal with, too, David, in boxing? A guy who's tall but is also very strong. Um, and that's what he is. 
Hmm. He's yeah. Not, he's He's not a tall guy on the Bambi legs that's going to be pushed around everywhere. He's a no. tall guy, but who's very physically strong. Very physically f- strong, you know. The one thing that here's the thing about a lot of Russian fighters, guys that come from there, coming out of the having that pedigree of amateur, uh, is that okay? The standout is always they have they're they're very good pressure fighters. Okay, they're very good one two punchers. Um, they're very good at walking you down. But what they tend to all do and and it's not all of them but the majority of them is that they wait for you to finish with your combination before they decide to retaliate they don't punch in between your punches and this leaves room for jojo diaz to finish his work and then pivot out of the way at a different angle where he's not going to catch a countering shot you know and that's what I mean by he's got to have good legs in this fight. Because if not, Rakhimov is going gonna, gonna to walk him back. And it's not going to be a very tough, tough, tough job to do against Jojo Diaz. Because Jojo Diaz has the tendency of walking himself back to those ropes. If he does that, that's where Rakhimov gets his best work done. Is when your back is against those ropes. He lets his, he, 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 he lets his uh, hands go. He unleashes a, a whole barrage of different punches. And that can be very sweet and easy on the eyes for judges, and a lot easier for people to make uh, to get points uh, to get points to rock them up. So really, this really kind of lays on the shoulders, in my opinion, against JoJo Diaz. So if you got the pick for an upset, I don't think Vegas has the pick for rock them off to get an upset. I think it's JoJo is the favorite, but I think I'm going to go with you. I think rock them off can pull this off and possibly even stop him because he does have a beautiful, strong, strong uh, left hand. Yeah, he absolutely does. And like I said, he's got that high guard. Um, He's solid defensively. He's just a very good overall well-rounded fighter. And again, those guys out of Central Europe, this this kid's Tajik. I mean, with Uzbeks, whether it's the Kazakhs, the guys from, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tajikistan, these guys all come out of the Soviet school. They're very highly trained. Uh, you know this kid got a good head on his shoulders too because he's a university graduate that boxed at the World University Games and won a medal there. And that's a, a very, uh, you know, challenging tournament in its own right because, again, a lot of these guys out there in Eastern Europe, in Asia, East Asia, Central Asia, they, they go to university. Right. Like, uh, Nakatani is a university grad. Uh, a lot of these Asian guys are, and they all fight in that tournament. Um, a lot of them come out of the military too, right in the world military games as well. I'm not underestimating this guy. I do wish we had a little bit more information about the kind of camps they had. I haven't really uh, read much into where they had their training camps. Obviously, the kind of sparring they had and those those things, because that all goes into uh, consideration as well. But just based on the styles of the fighters and kind of the layoffs here. Uh, I'm leaning towards, and I like Jojo Diaz a lot, to, uh, but you know that, Dave. Yeah. I'm leaning to- towards uh, Rakimov here, and I think it's going to be a very good, closely contested fight. This, Both of the fights on this card have got me really excited and looking forward to a good Saturday night of boxing. Yeah, you know, if anything, Rakimov is going to force Jojo Diaz to fight, and that's where the conditioning part is going to be in question for Jojo Diaz. Did he train? Did he run? What did he do in training camp? 
to to show us that he can get if he decides to go into a firefight into brutal rounds for 12 uh, tough rounds um, is he going to be up to it, you know? And that's what Rockamoff's job is to do, is to find that out by going forward, getting them to, uh, uh, getting JoJo to back up against those rope, you know, and get him into this big firefight, you know? But then, and, and if JoJo's got good legs and he was training the right plan, the right uh, strategic plan against Rockamoff, then we're going to see him with different angles. But I just don't think he's going to do that. I think he's still riding high off of the Tevin Farmer fight, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't think, I think that he sees this guy not having, having that much ring was uh, ring experience i mean some fighters would go they'll look at that amateur pedigree and go like eh, it's the amateurs you're in the big leagues now and that could possibly kind of cloud his uh his vision of what he should be doing against Rockamoff. so i'm with with you i think Rockamoff can beat him and also possibly think he could stop him in those later rounds yep i think we're right there uh, on the same page, Dave, that's two for two where we're in uh, total agreement here. But <clears throat> the thing is, we actually usually are uh, in agreement uh, with our picks a lot of the times. If you guys want to call in, certainly can, 347-460-1773. Let's talk some boxing here on Leave the Ring. We're going to move on on the same network, The Zone. Also has a big fight there in the UK at the Willoughby uh, Stadium. You're going to have Leeds Warrior, Josh Warrington, who's facing a Mexican warrior. Very unknown, very little known. Not a lot of folks know about him. Um, and it's Mauricio Lara. And let me read you off the records here. Uh, <laughs> Warrington has got 30 wins. Seven KOs in that 30 wins. No losses. He's been in some great major fight of the year's uh, contendants uh, fights. Uh, you know, where Mauricio's got 21 wins, two losses. And like I said, it's not too known, but he's got 14 KOs under his record. Um, he has been knocked out once before, but I was early on in his career. And let me tell you this. The kid fought four times just last year or five times. I could be wrong. It's either four or five times for Lada. Um, so... To say that he's not active, when you look at the fact that 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 Josh didn't really fight, I mean, his last fight was uh, in 2019, in uh, October 12, 2019, when he won on a TKO, um, and that was actually kind of like a keep busy type of fight. You know, do you know anything about Lara? Let me ask you that first, uh, first off, Amokar. I'll tell you what I do know about Lara. Um... What I know about Lara is that he's ranked number eight by the IBF, and I really don't ever like the IBF rankings. So we could start with that. And what I also know about Lara is this is a guy who <laughs> has chosen to fight and chose to drop his IBF title so that he wouldn't have to fight King Galahad, who I thought beat him. Right. Um, People are free to disagree with me on that, but I had Kid Galahad winning that fight by at least two rounds. And and I think that's being generous to Josh Warrington. Um, I do not think Josh Warrington won that fight. I think the fact that he decided to drop his IBF title so that he wouldn't have to take on his mandatory in Galahad uh, speaks volumes about his confidence uh, in winning that rematch. And he's they basically chosen... Uh, Lara, they've pulled him out of the IBF rankings. Like I said, he's number eight. I don't know very much about him at all. Um, and it's a fight that they've selected for him to win. Right. Because what they really want to do is to take on Kang Zhu, who they see as a winnable fight. He's Which was supposed to happen originally, but there was some yep. Yep, some difficulties. 
So it was uh, scratch. Yep, absolutely. Or get the bigger check, uh, the bigger bag on uh, network television in the United States against Navarrete or against Gary Russell Jr. So they didn't want to get back to get Kid Galahad. I, I don't think they felt that that was a winnable fight. Eddie Hearn has even said as much. Apparently, he told Galahad that Warrington made it clear to him he did not want to fight him again. And, um, and yeah, I mean, London left hook of the day. He makes a good point. Look, he fights out of Leeds. Uh, a lot of his, his nickname is the Leeds Warrior. Right. All right. A lot of these British fighters uh, obviously have uh, ties to the football clubs that they grew up watching. Right. Uh, Ricky Adden famously was a Man City supporter. So he had all of the Man City fans behind him. Right. Um, and other fighters, whether it's from Sheffield or, or Nottingham or in this case, uh, Leeds, bring over that football fan base because they wear the football team's jersey. Right. They right. have singing the football team songs in the arenas. So it's almost like a built in uh marketing base and it's actually brilliant that these guys do that so yeah i agree with him he's a hot ticket seller over there and they don't want to crack the egg all right or or i should say maybe kill the goose that lays the golden egg right (laughs) he he gets beat by galahad and they don't want to get a loss on his record they want to take on kanzu who is a winnable fight or get a bigger bag like i said against russell or navarrete that, that's what I think. So, long story short, that was a long-winded answer. Mauricio Lara is a hand-picked opponent for Josh, the Leeds Warrior Warrington. You know, here's the thing that's kind of scary, though, sometimes when you see a champion hand-pick an opponent. There's not much to known about Lara. I mean, there are some fight tapes that you can watch of him. But you don't know how tall he is. You don't know if he, you know, there's just certain things out of that that are really gray in the area of who he is, okay? But here are the obvious, obvious, okay? He does have a good ratio of KOs on his record. Now, it's against, you know, mediocre opposition, but it still shows that he does have power. But seeing who Warrington had beat on his last fight, um, Shows that if Warrington could jump all over you and sees that moment where he has no respect for you, he's going to do that. I think that's what he needs to do with this fight against Laura. You know that Laura is is first time ever is going to be fighting out of Mexico. This is a big fight experience. You know, when it comes to experience level and fights, you got to give it a Warrington. So there's going to be nerves in the stomach of Laura. But there are some things that Laura does bring to the table. One, he's got a good right hand. Okay, another thing is that he's willing to trade with you if you back him up. He's also a pressure fighter. He doesn't mind getting hit, and that might be a big, big minus for him or a big plus, meaning that is the ref going to allow the fight to go? Sorry about that. Oh, we're doing all kinds of shit. Um, is the fight is the ref going to allow the fight to go if there's a firefight? Meaning that if Warrington starts landing some big shots, does a ref jump in immediately and stop it? Or does a ref allow these two men to duke it out? Okay. So we don't know how good Laura's chin is. We don't know how how uh, how dangerous his punch output is. Or if he's one of those guys that, you know, is just going to shine at the big moment. We don't know any of that. Okay. But I do know this about Laura. Is that when he throws combinations, he has a habit of leaping. 
And what I mean by that, he doesn't have very good balance in Mokar, you know. Um, but but he does have good reflexes. You know, he doesn't have the greatest timing, but he's one of those guys that, you know, it, it's like, I, I you know, when my, my grandfather, my great-grandfather was huge in baseball, loved baseball, okay, and wanted me to be a baseball player. That was like one of his big dreams, you know, you know grandson, be a baseball player. And the one thing I used to hate, the most was getting on the batting plate here in Milcar. And the only way I was able to hit this ball is by instincts and by closing my eyes. And sometimes I hit a home run, sometimes I did it. More likely, I got more strikes than hitting the ball out to the left side of the field. That's what I see with Laura. He's one of these guys that he doesn't time you. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't set shots up. But what he does do is that if you throw a punch at him, it's like a an immediate reaction that comes from he's going to throw back. Yeah, I'm going to have to take your word on it, Dave, because I have not seen this dude fight. Um, as soon as the fight was announced, I probably should have looked into it, but I've had a very busy last few weeks. And uh, a lot of my free time was spent watching uh, Glovegate videos in the bathroom. <laughs> various other parts of the apartment so yeah I'll have, to, I'll have to look into this a little bit more before the fight look once i found out he wasn't fighting galahad it was like uh, you know it's that's the fight i wanted to see i felt does galahad deserved a, a rematch i i agree he did he did but you know what the in a perfect world it would have happened but money's the is the ruler in the sport there are prize fighters and they probably see in the distance bigger fights out there before they can revisit kid Gallahan, you know and but here's the thing is that what i love about boxing is that sometimes there is a dark horse like we were talking about earlier uh that can come in and i know uh uh ibt immortal said uh he thinks that warrant is gonna wash laura that could be a strong 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 possibility you know but you know just, it's a very you know it's a very small possibility bro what's that that this guy's Julio Cesar Martinez going in and washing Edwards. <laughs> right? Well, like Nato just put, where's the 30 and 0 with 30 KOs Colombian when you need one? <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. Uh, apparently, not in the, apparently not in the IBF top 10. Well, I can also tell you this about Laura. He does like to use his head. So... Don't be surprised if you see some headbutts between him and Warrington in this fight. You know, you something, David? go ahead. How, how is Arislani Laris like shrinking down at his weight class? There's got to be a big weight cut for him, isn't it? You know what? The guy lives a. Oh, you're talking. <laughs> well, tell you, well, let me tell you this about Laura here. Mariso Laura El Bronco. Um, he is dropping down. He is dropping down to Warrington. So there's another two factor there. Is the weight gonna is is he gonna come in as a big guy? Or is by losing that weight gonna affect him? Not just that. There's a lot of there's a lot of cons against this kid Laura from Mexico. One, he doesn't have the experience, okay? He's, he's relatively known. Uh, he's going overseas. This is his first big fight. He's fighting in a weight division that's not his. Um, he doesn't have any head movement. He's you know he doesn't have footwork. He's not going to give you angles, but he is going to throw you punches. And sometimes, just sometimes, hear me out, sometimes that works. A good sturdy chin 
and good decent power in your hands could actually make that fight a more a lot more exciting and difficult than we're anticipating that you know everybody's thinking Laura's Laura's gonna be washed by Warrington but I have a strange feeling that we're actually gonna get a little bit more than we asked for between the two I hope you're right I absolutely hope you're right I mean Warrington left Frank Warren in Queensbury out there because he saw uh, the potential for bigger fights through Matchroom and Eddie Hearn. And I'm still waiting for those bigger fights to happen. So this this isn't one of them. Um, no disrespect right. to uh, Lara. Well, think about this. You know, just like Madonna, when he went in against uh, uh, Victor Ortiz, he dropped Victor Ortiz and he just really throughout all the plans that they had for Victor Ortiz at that time, you know, just put it at a stop. You know, we've also seen this in the past in the historical fights, you know, thinking back of history, uh, you know, where a guy, a champion, opt not to go further and face another champion or give another guy a rematch and decided to, play, to pick somebody, you know, out of the, like, you know, out of a Rocky movie, out of the phone book, and then the fight turns out to be a lot tougher. We might end up getting that. It's not unheard of. Uh, you know, it's not like it's never been seen, uh, you know, and I'm kind of hoping to tell you the truth. I'm hoping that Laura from Mexico comes out there and puts up a good show. Maybe not get the win. I got Laura. I, I got Warrington possibly winning on a unanimous decision um, just because I said we don't know how good of a chin Laura has or if the ref, if the ref is going to let Laura try to get in some work or if Warrington is just going to swarm all over, which I think that's what he needs to do to get a stop is to get a TKO. He just needs to swarm all, all over Laura and, and can stop. You share my screen? Can you share my screen, Dave? Sure can. All right. So I think an important factor here might be that we haven't talked about, which is that Warrington's not going to have all of this. No. This is a left hook London was, uh, was, was referring to. The guy fights in stadiums, the big crowds, the chants, the all of this. Um, you know, he's not going to have that. He's going to be fighting in a television studio. So maybe that will will play a role as well. And it's something that I haven't necessarily considered. He is not going to have this on Saturday night. No, he's not. No, he's not. You know. <clears throat> What happened here? Oh, you're on. Uh, you're on. Um... I have no idea. You're on mute there, Amokar, and whatever you were saying. They're still on mute. I don't know what happened. You're on mute. I think we need to stop doing that overlay there because it keeps messing everything up every time we do it. But anyways, uh, I got Warrington uh, winning by uh, unanimous decision. I don't think that uh, he's going to get that stoppage. Um, it, it really depends, man, to tell you the truth. You know, um, I, I think the ref has to have something to really to do with it unless Warrington just swarms all over him and you know uh, catches the kid cold which that that is a strong possibility I don't know yeah my pick is Warrington so um I I think uh we can we can move on oh yeah 
Yep, definitely warranted. I think we're all um, in agreement. Martinez is fighting the 122-pounder. Uh, He's always exciting. The uh, Spanish boxer. Oh, Kiko Martinez? Yeah, he's always in fun fights. He is, man, but I think he's like over the hill. He's done and stuff. <laughs> he absolutely is, but he's all. I've never seen a bad Kiko Martinez fight. That's true. Let's sing some Blue Moon, guys. No shit, huh? You know what? I I prefer the Blue Moon music than the Sweet Caroline. You know that I just can't take that, man. <laughs> all right, let's move on to ESPN. Uh, the phone lines are open, 347-460. Iris likes this guy. I know he's a Joe Smith fan. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's Joe, Joe Smith fan. So let's, uh, if you want, you want to call in, 347-460-1773. Let's talk boxing here on Leave a Ring. We're going to move on still on Saturday night, which is going to be a great weekend of love. Our love of the sport's going to be on on ESPN. Let's go with the undercards here first, uh, Amokar. Um, Adam Blue Nose Lopez, who we had on, we've had on uh, leaving the ring after he was able to uh, give um, Oscar Valdez all he can handle before he was stopped on a TKO where the ref jumped in. He's going to be facing Jason Sanchez. You know, Jason Sanchez, 15 wins and two losses. Um, both guys right now, I think... Um, this is a great matchup, man. I, I don't know what your thoughts about this fight here, but I think this is an awesome fight. You know, if we thought the zone was going to give some good cards and some good fights, ESPN really honestly is going to give us three three good, really good fights on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. A uh, friend of the show has been on here. Was uh, might have been my first interview as a co-host of Leaving in the Ring. Uh, definitely rooting for the kid. I think it's going to be a really good fight. The kind of fight that you would have seen on, like, an HBO boxing after dark uh, back in the day. Um, two evenly matched guys, uh, both with good styles. And, uh, I mean, styles to mesh with each, with each other. I think they'd be great. We've got a caller, Dave, area code 408. I'll bring him on in. Area code 408, you're live on Leaving in the Ring. Who is this? Hey, Amilcar, que pasa, man? It's Dave from the 408. Dave. Dave. What's up, homies? What's going on, brother? How you doing? Thanks for calling. Man, it's a pleasure to be on you guys' shows. I'm actually with Philly Drew Irish. We're not doing a show tonight, and I can't wait to participate in this show because I'm stoked on Joe Smith, man. I'm stoked on Joe Smith. Yeah, same. I'm really looking forward to the Joe Smith fight out of uh, Suffolk County here in New York State. Now we haven't we haven't got to the fight yet, but but I like to hear Dave and uh, Dave, what's your thoughts and um, what do you think about this fight? I really appreciate you letting me skip over Adam Blue Nose, Blue Nose Lopez because I love that kid too, man, who upset, who had a near upset against Valdez, who's like going to be headlining in just a week, right? Right. Absolutely. I'm big on Adam Blue Nose Lopez in the featherweight division. I still see big things on him, but the reason why I love Joe Smith, bro, is because he represents all the hardworking guys in America. He's got a potential this weekend to be a people's champ. You know what I'm saying? A, a union, blue-collar guy. Yep. A guy that represents the guy next door. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And the guy, let's face facts, who didn't come up uh, the what's considered to be kind of the easier way in boxing, right? Which is 
you have a great amateur career, maybe you get to the Olympics or World Championships, you get signed by a major promoter, your debuts on national television, you're fighting on pay-per-view wonder cards, they're spoon-feeding you guys to just blow out and knock out. Joe Smith literally is the opposite of that at every single level. Yeah, well, let's not forget he gave us a gift that kept on giving by uh, knocking out Bernardo Hopkins and put him in, putting him in the retirement home finally. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, you better watch out, man. My boy Philly Drew Evo still thinks that, you know, Bernard is that maybe Bernard won that fight against Joe Calzaghi. <laughs> wow, yeah. I know, he, I know he does think that. We've spoken about it, I think, in the past. Well, listen, all joking aside, Joe Smith has the possibility to do something that if you're a true boxing head, you probably watched the TV show The Contender Series when it first came out. Right. There was a guy on that who was an electric, electrician, right? Mm-hmm. He out here, but he went to the UK, and all yeah. of a sudden I've been drinking too much at 5 o'clock. Um, what was his name, Emil Carr? Uh, on, on The Contender. But that, was uh, it the first uh, uh, season? Oh, Peter Manfredo, yeah. Up by Joe Calzaghi. Yes. Now, 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 he may not be what Joe Smith is, Joe, but he represents that hope that every guy had when Joe, when Manfredo went across the pond to fight the great, one of the greatest uh, super middleweights we've ever seen in our recent generations. Right. Against, uh, Calzaghi, right? Yeah, absolutely. But Joe Smith has the possibility... He has the possibility to be the guy who holds a day job and a day career and still be a world champion. He can do that this weekend, and that's what got me so pumped up. Oh, absolutely. Right. And let me tell you something, guys. I haven't mentioned this in the fa- in the past, but if there is a Gotti Ward-type fight that's out there to be made, it's Joe Smith versus his British equivalent, Callum Johnson. Hmm. Callum Johnson fought those amazing few rounds with Baturbiev. I don't know if you guys remember that fight. It's his only loss. That that's a fight. Oh, yeah. I, that's a oh, fight yeah. I've been wanting to see like for the last three three years, man. Callum Johnson, <clears throat> Joe Smith, sign me up for that. Yeah, I see Nando Lamas here, uh, a big uh, you know, contributor to the channel and whatnot. He's talking about Manfredo as well. You guys remember how uh, Sergio Mora? gave him his truck or I don't know if it was vice versa but I mean they, there was a show of spirit and support there there was a part of the contender where they gave away a truck and he gifted it to the Manfredos yeah yeah absolutely uh, you're one of the better moments in Sergio Mora's career now that he's at the zone and whatnot uh, Sergio did go on to become a world champion but if if uh, Joe Smith pulls off and gets this title opportunity this weekend do you guys think that he can manipulate the public into getting a fight with Canelo Alvarez and bringing him up and teasing him back into the light heavyweight division at some point? Joe Smith? That would be a good fight, man. Absolutely. I would I would actually really like to see that fight. And yeah. That would be good that fight, too. It would be a fight against a, you know, a U.S. fighter, you know, because exactly, Canelo's right? fought a lot of guys from other countries. If you could take on a U.S. fighter here in the United States, that would be huge. I agree with you 100%. And, and uh, it all remains to be seen whether or not his power at the end of the day this Saturday uh, will be the great equalizer. I know very little about his uh, opponent. Uh, oh, it's very difficult 
fight. And Let me tell you this. You guys are bringing up Joe Calzaghe. Uh, Maxim does resemble him a bit. Hands down, uh, herky-jerky, great head movement, hand speed. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. has got a handful on Saturday night. Great fucking fight. It is. I literally cannot wait for this Saturday. Yep. I, I don't expect to be wagering any money on it. I definitely hope that Joe Smith pulls ahead and gets this victory. Just the possibility of him being in the ring with uh, at top rank with Better Beav or Bivol or even somehow manipulating the public into getting in a, a fight and bringing Canelo Alvarez back up to the light heavyweight division. I know Canelo's got his hands full for the rest of the year, but just the idea of a, a blue-collar guy representing the U.S. going against Mexico's best that's only good for the public. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on tonight. Oh, thank you. And, and thank uh, you for all your and support. Being part man, of the as network always. as well, man. Yeah, you too, bro. And being part of the network. Yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care, guys. Thanks all right, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, this is. This is going to be a, a really good card, man. Let's go back with Adam lopez and uh, jason uh sanchez who are on the undercard of the spn card for the main event for uh joe smith jr um you guys want to call in certainly can 347-460-1773 uh you know here's the thing about uh adam adam lopez you know is that he can't wait for sanchez okay he's got to be on top of sanchez sanchez sometimes tends to sit back and uh he wants to be the counterpuncher. He kind of overthinks the situation, and I see that that's that's going to be a problem with him, with 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 Adam. Okay, because Adam likes to mix it up. You know, every time I've seen Adam fight, I don't know about you, Milkar. Every time I see him fight, this kid walks away with a broken nose and his eyes all puffed up. Yeah, uh, he gets hit way too much. Way too much. So that tells me he's got to keep his hands up high for his future if he continues to fight like this i honestly do yeah, exactly you know that that tells me that adam's got to go in there with his hands up high which jason sanchez does you know and jason is by far i would have to say is the better boxer out of the two yeah you know they're really similar in terms of of accomplishments right now in their career uh in, meaning that you know um the opposition wise, I mean, to me, this may be a toss up fight here. It depending on who decides to show up and who decides to take control early, and who got who's has the better conditioning. Yeah, um, and these are all things that are so unpredictable, David, because of the times that we're in right now with the uh, pandemic. I have to agree. You know, it changes, it changes everything, and. Just so that we don't forget, we had a request, David, to talk about the Comey Romero fight. Uh, and I think that's going to be a really good fight. Yeah, that's right after that. Because I believe the Adam Lopez and Jason Sanchez fight is first. And then the Comey fight's right after that. Like I said, we're going to get to all to it, all of it today here, folks. You know, because the whole card is stacked, you know. Going back with Lopez here, though. You know, the thing about, about Sanchez, though, that I think that he should correct and not do with Lopez is that he has sometimes the tendency of opening up his shots, okay? He, he decides that he likes to throw him at a wide telegraph 
distance, and it's not going to be good. That's where Lopez has got to keep himself tight and sharp and sit down on his punches and just shoot down down that pipe, okay? You know, so Sanchez has got to be really, really, really cautious about that. And, you know, the thing, too, with, with Lopez, and I'm not quite sure he can do this, um, is can he give angles? Is he going to be able to make Sanchez turn? Because if I remember correctly with Lopez, he kind of just goes up and down in a straight line. <clears throat> yeah, and that's never a really good thing. Um, squaring up to your opponent, keeping your head on center line. Even if you are a volume puncher and can take a punch, it's not a style that I like to see myself. Exactly. The uh, Comey and Manez fight is the co main event. You know, uh, 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 going back really quick, and I'll get your pick really quick, Lopez, and we'll move on to that fight here. Um, what was I going to just bring up? I know I wrote it down here somewhere. Ah, I hate when I do that. I hate when I do that because I start thinking of, oh, i tell you what I think that, that uh, Jason Sanchez needs to do to solidify a win against Adam Lopez and it's not I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that he could stop Lopez just based on the fact that Lopez face has been busted up pretty bad so the tissue is going to be pretty soft and I think it'd do a lot of damage if he established the jab early on in the fight against Adam Blue Nose Lopez you know I think that's going to be the key victory there for Jason Sanchez is to use that jab be consistent with that jab he's got a great he's got a great jab you know the problem with his jab though and the problem with his combinations though with Mukar is that he likes to sit back and he waits too much he kind of overthinks what he's gonna do you know and then he likes to slide back he slides back in a line he's got a jab jab turn jab jab turn and then occasionally you know remind you know blue nose that he's got two hands let let blue nose uh uh you know uh, open up let blue nose make these uh amateur mistakes and he can capitalize on that i'm gonna actually have to pick against blue nose i think i like blue nose a whole lot but i just think that jason sanchez is just much more polished i think he's going to be more in control where lopez fights off of a lot of emotions and i think that can just spell a lot of bad for him he's been getting away with it a whole lot he's a really fun kid to watch but I just got to go with the more polished fighter, and that's going to be Jason Sanchez. I think he can get the stoppage in the late rounds. It is going for it is going ten rounds. Well, we're free, we're three for three because I'm also picking the boxer. Uh, they can stand behind the jab and utilize it well. I also think he's demonstrated he could take a good shot too. He's going to be definitely difficult to beat in this fight, and we're three for three right now in terms of agreeing on picks. Day. I think so. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. I'm hoping we can see some upset specials here, but I don't think so with these three fights. Uh, you know, again, unless Adam Lo Adam uh, uh, Lopez uh, does something, changes something a bit here, you know, or or just maybe. I mean, he doesn't have that punching power. They both don't. They're not both big punching power guys and stuff. But like I said, when you both would you have guys that don't carry that that power, that you know, that damaging power. Um, they're more volume guys. You gotta, you gotta pick the guy that has in that volume set mind that that contributes the jab. And Sanchez contributes the jab a whole lot in his arsenal and his game plan uh, every time out. Where Lopez has no jab sometimes and likes just to get in the mix. He likes to show that machismo, who's got the bigger balls type of deal. And, and unfortunately, balls don't win fights all the time. It's brains and balls. Absolutely. And I usually pick a boxer um, 
when there are fights that are kind of close and it's again because no. of the pandemic i mean it just leads me to pick a guy that is more just technically sharp and now to put out there, uh, Blue Nose is a sick boxer. Have you seen his face, Nado? I don't. I don't. I want to say he's that slick. He gets hit a lot, a whole lot. Now the co-feature about to the Smith fight is going to be Richard Comey and Jackson Marine, Marin, Marins. I'm sorry. Um, and that's a really good fight, man. I'm happy that Jackson's getting another big fight there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, I, I, somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, just like Shushine Dave just put out there, who else thinks that Jackson should have got the win? Uh, you know, I think so. I think should. I don't think uh, Roley should have gotten that. Roley uh, Romero should have got that win. I thought that Jackson did everything perfect on that night. Was landing the bigger shots. Was being elusive. He was the boxer. Uh, he made uh, Roley look amateurish at some times. Um, and now Richard Comey, whose last fight was against uh, uh, Tilfimo Lopez, he was stopped. Uh, it was a nasty right hand that stopped him. But he's got some notable wins. He you know, fought Robert Easter. He fought Ray Batran. Those were his best wins. Um, dude, all, all around, I mean, this is a good match. I mean, Jackson is going to be tough to catch. And that's what I'm wondering about Richard Comey. You know, when you see a guy get knocked out that quick, the way Teofimo Lopez knocked him out, the question is not, is he damaged goods? The question is, is, is that, is he going to make a, a, a quick bounce back? And a lot of times when you get knocked out that fast because there wasn't a beatdown the way, like, De, uh, Deontay Wilder received from Tyson Fury, you know, Easter is kind of lucky. He got dropped quick, and that was the end of story. I think he should be able to pick up where he left off. He's a really tough kid. He's lanky. He's got a good right hand, good jab. Uh, but my thing is, can he cut the ring off against Jackson? And really, that is the question of the day, David. Uh, well, two questions, actually. One, how are both guys going to rebound from their losses? You know, one was a loss, a disputed loss, uh, that a lot of people thought, obviously, that uh, Martin Marinez won. And the other one is a really surprising loss from a guy who's really well-known for having a great chin and being super durable, if nothing else. Getting to spark like that, what that does to his confidence. You know, I naturally want to root for Comey, but believe it or not, he's also based out of the Bronx, New York, just like me, and actually right up the block from me in a neighborhood called, uh, called Highbridge right here uh, next to the uh, Concourse Yankee Stadium area. Uh, we've got a track around here, and you'll see a, a bunch of boxers there working out when the war weather's warm enough. And uh, he's he's a guy that's uh, pretty well known in the Ghanaian community and in the boxing community here where I live. Um, so it, it's difficult for me to root against them. I'm just going to put my bias out of there, my hometown bias out there. Um, but... I expect a very good fight, and I look forward to it. And this is the first fight where I actually cannot convincingly or um, confidently, I should say, make a pick because it's that kind of fight. Two guys coming off losses, very different kind of losses, and I don't know how, how they're each going to rebound from them. And... And if Comey hadn't been knocked out that way in his last fight, I'd be 100% picking Comey. Hmm. I mean, he's a champion. Um, 
you know, has been in uh, fights and beat good people. But the knockout loss, I mean, you never know how a guy can can uh, can uh, bounce back from something like that. Well, here's another thing: is he's fighting another orthodox, and he was two inches taller than him, Richard Comey. That is, he's five eight, and uh, Marnez is five ten. Uh, but anytime when you get a taller guy that knows how to move, that counters beautifully, um, and is really at a high because you could say he won that Roly fight. Every fight fan you talk to knows that he won that fight against Roly uh, Romero. Comey does have a lot of questions, but the good thing for Comey, like I mentioned earlier, is that he's coming from a quick knockout, not from a beatdown. Beatdown. So I think that he's gonna. Um, well, here's another face thing to say. A uh, 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 face, uh, say fact to say about this fight is that Comey's not going in with a guy that punches like Teofimo Lopez. He's actually going in with a guy that's got 29. I mean, sorry, 19 wins and seven KOs under his belt. So I think it's safe to say he's not going to be worried too much about the power of Jackson. He's going to have to worry about the elusive of Jackson and the counterpunching of Jackson. So Richard Comey, in my opinion, is going to probably have to go back to just using that jab and making it into a really ugly fight, you know, which Roley was trying to do, but Roley just didn't have the, the quick reflexes and, you know, and didn't he never knows how to set up punches. That's Roley's biggest problem. I, you know, I know some people said in his last fight, he looked like he's improved. I didn't see any of that. What I saw was the same old Roley kid uh, who doesn't know how to set punches. He did improve, David, but he improved because his opponent was not as good. Not that good. No, exactly. No, I have to agree with that. Um, you know, all the way. <laughs> and so I, I think with with I think it's a good matchup for for Richard Comey. I think it's a good pick for his management team to to go along the lines to face uh, Jackson. Um, but this is going to be on Richard Comey the most because he's going to have to break break the spirit of Jackson, in my opinion. Well, A-Rod actually makes a good point, and you just put it up there on the screen. I mean, obviously, if Comey loses, it's because his water was spiked. It's because his, you know, the, the gloves of uh, Medina's were obviously tampered with. Um, maybe, they put, maybe they'll put plaster in front of his gloves. I really don't know. Matter of fact, <laughs> maybe, maybe we got to check Teofimo's gloves. Did anyone check his gloves? Yeah, no, I don't think so. You know what? I need to go back to that footage. We might we might find footage of uh, floppy gloves uh, in the Teofimo fight. I thought I, I saw I thought I saw Teofimo uh, thumb sticking out of the glove. Where, you know, so when he got that win, he was like, "Hey!" Right? <laughs> or maybe he loaded up his gloves with tamales. I don't know. Something, right? <laughs> All right, man, so what's your pick here between these two? I think it's a really 50-50 fight, in my opinion, just because we don't know really how uh, Richard Comey is going to look coming back. Is the KO going to be, is is it going to be haunting him? Is that still on his mind? Was he able to shake that off? I think he should have been able to shake it off because, like I said, it was a quick KO. A huge disappointment, a heartbreak, but I think in order for him to get himself back in, he's got to look fantastic against Jackson, which is really hard to do against a guy like Jackson Moran. Yeah, it's going to be very hard for him to do it. Uh, but you know what, David? We're talking about a former world champion here. And if he is going to get back to the championship level, he's going to have to beat a guy like Marines. He just is. So uh, it's definitely that kind of a crossroads fight, especially for our guy Comey. 
and it's definitely a a a move forward for the bigger future for Marinas. Uh, if he beats Richard Comey, um, and he it actually gets him closer, possibly getting one of the title lists, and and you know, uh, get him into those talks, you know, which I hope Marinas is able to do. Uh, so let's go on our picks right now. Who do you got? Who do you think wins this fight? I got to go with Comey just because he's more tested. And I'll be honest with you, Comey knocks out Rolando Romero. Uh, sorry, uh, he, he uh, knocks out... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Rolando Romero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he knocks him out. I really do. I think so. I mean, I think a lot of guys knock out Roley. You know, just the yeah. way he looks right now. He squares up. Um, he doesn't know how to set shots up. Uh you know, so you're going to go with uh, Richard Comey, and what are you going now? You know, I'm decision, you're going what? Uh, uh, knockout? What's, what's your TKO? What do you think? Spiked uh, water? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, I mean, if the water is spiked, probably goes more than six rounds. Um, so, I don't know. I'll, I'll go 12 rounds, bro. Why don't we go 12 rounds? You're going to go 12 rounds. Fight or a 10-round fight? Is this, it is a 12-rounder, right? No, it's not. It is a 10-round fight. I, I fucking hate 10-round fights, man. It is a 10-round fight. 10-round fights are like the worst. Because it's like you finish watching the 10th round, and it's like, yo, they should be fighting two more rounds. Like Those, th- those are the championship rounds, and like a lot can happen. I don't know? think there's a title on this. Uh... Yeah, even so, I think at this level, they should be fighting 12-rounders. I mean, if they were in England, they'd be, they'd be fighting for, like, the British or Commonwealth title, and those are always 12-round fights. I don't know. I, hmm. I don't know. I, it, and what – is it just me, or do they never fight for stuff like the Continental America's title anymore? That used to be a big thing no. when I was growing up. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever hear that. They, they fight for emails, though. Jamil McCline, like, wearing that little thin-ass green belt on HBO, <laughs> the little Continental's America's uh, You didn't hear what I said, huh? You didn't hear what I said, right? No, what'd you say, bro? I said they do fight for emails, though. Oh, for emails, yeah. Email titles. Who's is going with Marines by decision? Shit. That's a bold one. <laughs> Joe Lopez. Uh, Kobe wins by doing voodoo. <laughs> fight fans, you want to call in? Certainly can. 347-460-1773. Let's talk some boxing here before we move on to Joe Smith. Um, I'll give you my pick. I'll give you my pick. Damn, this is a good fight. And I like your guys' pick. I like what the chat room guys are saying. I'm on the fence on this one. Um, but I'm going to go with Jesus M. Uh, he's got Marinas at for decision. And, you know, the thing about Jackson, the thing what I... It can happen. But you know what I like about Jackson, too, going off that Roley fight? Because Roley was, you know, very physical. Try to mm-hmm. manhandle him. And Jackson manhandled him back. So, he did. you know, it's, it's, Jackson is a cutie, but there's a bit of a main, mean streak in that cuteness of him. And I think that that's going to be needed against Richard Comey. Uh, you know, because Richard Comey, like I said, it's still, you're still like, he's in that, still in that gray area. Is he going to come back? Is he, is he still getting stalked by that KO? Whatever the thing is, and I think Jackson could break any rhythm that Richard has. And being that he's 5'10, he's a big guy for a lightweight. I think that he could use that size to his advantage. And I think that he could stay in that pocket 
and and really make uh, Kobe miss shots, tire him out a little bit, and probably start just touching him up a whole lot in those late rounds. So I'm going to go with uh, Jackson for unanimous, not unanimous decision. I'm going to go for a split decision over Richard Comey. That's a good one. That, uh, that's going to make it interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know that Milkar's uh, frame is uh, frozen. I don't know what's going on, but... Well, you know what? Why don't I log out and try to log back in again? I don't know, man. It's I am frozen over here. Frozen oh, in I'll, time. Yeah, I'll <laughs> log out and log back in. Hold on. We do got some topics to touch on uh, when Emilcar gets back here on Leaving the Ring. We have one more fight to talk about that's on ESPN. On the Day of Love, which will be Valentine's. Uh, hope everybody's they don't don't forget to go get your loved one something like some roses or and don't be a cheap ass. I know some of you fuckers out there are going to be pulling over on the side of the freeway and picking some they you think they're daisies, but they're not. There's those flowers that when you were a kid, you would, you know, you you would snag up with that little yellow in it and you would start chewing it on it because you thought it was limon lemon. OK, put some money. Go out there and, and, and put some money in there and um, get her some nice roses or something. Some chocolates or something. I'm waiting for a milk car to call back in before I start talking about the Joe Smith fight, which is a really good main event um, on Saturday night on ESPN. Again, you guys want to call in 347-460-1773. Still trying to get used to this number here, man. You know? Milkar said he'll be back. I'll be back. I think he had to go use the restroom or something. And he should be in with us here. There he is. All right. I'm moving and alive back here on the show. Okay, man. So let's get down to the main event on ESPN, ESPN which is going to be uh, another great card. Uh, top rank and zone are, you know, head to head. And uh, I don't know. I mean, we got some good fights between the two networks. We're going to have some stellar fights. Um, uh, Nato says, sorry, but Roly, a bootleg of Floyd Mayweather. A poor one at that, though, I would have to say. Um, all right, so uh, Joe Smith Jr., 26 wins, three losses, 21 KOs at six foot. He last fought on, on August uh 2020 against Alvarez. Uh, I thought it was a great performance, being that when he fought uh, Bivol, he just for some reason wasn't letting his hands go at all, man. And uh, he's facing Max, Maxim um, Vasov. I think I get it. Velasov. Velasov, yeah. Velasov, yeah, there you go. Velasov, who's got 45 wins, three losses on his record, but 26 KOs, and he has 6-3. Last time he fought was in 2019 on November, and it was against Emmanuel Marty. Um, let me ask you, what do you like about this fight here? I mean, there's not really much not to like about the fight. It's <laughs> a very rugged, tough guy that I've never seen in a bad fight in Joe Smith Jr., a guy who I have no idea why Bernard Hopkins took him on as an opponent in that fight. I mean, he didn't have to, and he shouldn't have, but right. he did, and knocked out and sent through the ropes, and um, onto a, what was it like, it was almost like onto a table, bro. It was kind of like reminiscent of 
you guys remember the the, the Oleg Masai Maskaev knockout back in the day? Yes. Who uh, Roy Jones would have faced? Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded reminded me of that. But you know what? You look at Vlasov. This guy's gonna be tough for Joe Smith. Uh, he's actually fought as high as cruiserweight before, and when you look at his losses. They're against pretty good p- opponents. Yeah, Gerberto Z- Zolo Ramirez, he lost to an unanimous decision. You yeah, know? Yeah, the, he, is a, he is a top guy, man. And, you know, it, it, he obviously beat uh, both Jesse Hart and Elider Alvarez. Um, sorry, yep. No, I'm talking about Joe Smith right now. Uh, yeah, sorry, he beat, uh, he, he's beaten uh, a, a few guys. Even in his last win, sorry, it, the uh, Durodola. Du- win was a good win and um you know uh, i don't it's it's tough because yeah it's this is this is a really tough fight for me to pick bro really it is because yeah. you know both guys are for me to pick. both guys are bipolar from each other they, they don't there's no similarities um no. B- both guys um you know First, they're fighting for the vacant WBO lightweight, light heavyweight title. Um, yeah, they are. But you know what's crazy about Blasov, right? Is that he's coming down in weight. He is coming down in weight. Yeah. And a lot of guys are saying, I don't know who he is. Um, he was in the World Series. Well, you should have checked out the World Boxing Super Series. Series yeah. Bro, because he, he fought against Kristoff uh, Glawaki in that. Yeah. That was a good fight. That was a really good fight. fight. And yep. not only that, it was a fight that took place in the United States. In, in Chicago. Yeah. You know, the thing that, that stands out for me uh, that Velasco could do against Joe Joe Smith Jr., which Belville did, was able to do to him, was make Joe shell up by letting his hands go. Um, because that, that kind of actually um, shuts down the output that Joe Smith does, you know, now that Joe's not like a big, he's, you know, he doesn't have these high stats on the copy box or anything like that. He's pretty consistent and steady, but you can make him shell up. And when he shells up, that's, that's when you can get your best work. Okay. And that's what this kid's going to have to do against Joe Smith. You know, he's going to have to let his, he's going to have to establish his jab first off immediately against Joe Smith and behind that jab, do most of his work. And well, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Dave, I'm interrupting because you're getting me excited talking about the fight. Please continue. <laughs> well, you know, and behind that jab, most importantly is when he, he's going to have to let combos go. And that's what I mean by keeping Joe, shelling up keeping up a high guard where he's protecting himself and that would definitely minimize the the output joe uh joe smith is gonna is gonna do what i don't like what this philosopher kid does is he does resemble a lot of joe calzaghi um yeah. he's like a poor man joe calzaghi though in my opinion you know and I, fighting out of the orthodox stance yeah he, yes and he likes to he likes to stick his head out there as a teaser the way Joe Calzaghe used to do and put both both his hands down like like a uh, uh, Joe Calzaghe used to do. But I just don't think he has the reflex the way Joe does. No, Joe, Joey's eggs, Joey's eggs could do that because he was like a mongoose, man. You know what I mean? With that head movement. And you're right, he was able to do that. 
But look, I'll tell you what uh, Vlasov has going for him in this fight. One, he's already fought cruiserweights, and not just any cruiserweights, championship-level cruiserweights. Right. So he's felt power, okay? Cruiserweights can fucking punch. Yep. Um, they're essentially the heavyweights of the 80s, 70s, and 60s. These are, these are big, strong, athletic guys, and he's boxed them. That's number one. Number two... He doesn't stand still. He's constantly constantly moving. moving. Yep. Shifting in angles. Um, and he moves his head a lot. He's not a stationary target. No. So, and he can take a punch and is tough. So, uh, and you know what else is funny? It's funny you mentioned um, Joe Calzaghe because you know who, we, who I kind of think of now when I think of uh, Vlasov and I was watching him the other day? It kind of made me uh, rem, uh, reminded me of Raiz Aleem in his last fight. Just kind of unorthodox in and out movement and the punching at kind of weird angles. Uh, it, it's going to be tough for a conventional fighter like Joe Smith. Again, big guy, box against cruiserweights, fast hands, punch, fast hands, constant movement with the feet and with the body. And you know what? You might. This might be where we uh, where we uh, disagree for a second time in a row, but I've got him winning the fight on Saturday. You know, Vasov. Um, you know the, the the thing that that we all just mentioned now: fast hands, herky jerky, uh, drops his hands. Bigger guy. He's got a solid chin. He's got decent power in his hands as as well. But the one thing that I don't like that he does is he does even though. He doesn't stand still. He does pause for a minute and doesn't throw any punches. Like he kind of like toys with his food. Uh, we've seen him do that. Even with the lesser oppositions, we've watched him where he sits there and he just tries to toy with you. That's not the greatest idea against Joe Smith Jr. Even though uh, uh, Vlasov has tested his chin with the bigger guys, I don't know if you want to test your chin with a Joe Smith, okay? But here's another thing, too, that Vlasov's got to keep an eye out about Joe Smith. Joe Smith will throw his right hand if you jab too much. He was really successful with that right hand against Alvarez. He would throw it over the top of Alvarez's jab, and that's where Vlasov's got to keep an eye out for. He's got to be prepared to... to Pull back, slip it, and encounter that shot. Or he's going to get clipped, you know. And here's the thing. Enough punches from Joe Smith, it's eventually going to catch up to you. I don't care who you are. The kid can crack. Yeah, he can. Uh, but you know what's funny? Um, just the decision to go down from cruiserweight, it's very interesting to me. Um, it really is. And, and it's a guy, honestly, who's who's moved. He started his career, believe it or not, as a middleweight, Dave. And you can right. kind of see that in the way he boxes. Yeah, the way he moves. Yeah, the way he moves. Yeah. But uh, he obviously was a late bloomer, probably uh, grew. Some people grow in their in their 20s, uh, and he probably did, and filled out. And now he's, he, like I said, he went all the way up to cruiserweight, and now he's back down at 175. You know, it, it's been mentioned in the chat. People don't necessarily know who he is, and I get that. Uh, right. Up until recently with The Zone and ESPN+, Plus, we were starved for access to boxing that was taking place in other parts of the world. Um, 
my hope was that that would change a lot. And it kind of did with ESPN plus. I'd still like to see them do a lot more, but you're going to see more guys like this now on television regularly. And I'm going to tell you this. If you didn't know who Vlasov is now, or don't know who he is now, you're going to know who he is after Saturday night, because he's, he's gonna, he's gonna bust up Joe Smith a bit, bro. Oh, he's, yeah, he's definitely going to touch Joe Smith, you know. Uh, Here are the keys that I think that Joe Smith's got to do. He's got to let his hands go. He can't pull what he did before, which is keep being reserved and be at all with the hand speed of Vassoff. You know, because Vassoff is going to come out there and quickly try to establish his hand speed over Joe Smith. He's got to, Joe Smith, he's got to go in there with the mind frame. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not the faster guy, but I'm a blue collar guy. I'm a jackhammer. And what do jackhammers do best? They chip away at what's in front of them. And that's that's where he's going to have to push back Vasov to those ropes. And how he does that is by establishing his jab first. Okay? He's got to do that. You know? Here's another thing. He's got to time Vasov when he does that little herky-jerk move. He's got to time him with that right hand. He's got to look for that. But not look for it by loading, in my opinion, here at Milkar. You can't do that, you know. He's going to have to blind him with his jab. And that's what I mean. His jab, is by far, in my opinion, for Joe Smith Jr. in this fight, is going to be the most important, important weapon against Vlasov. Yeah, it is. You know, it was said uh, when I was a teenager and I was watching um, Vernon Forrest, R.I.P., after he beat Sugar Shane. And I went nuts in that round, too. I was a huge Vernon Forrest fan. And um, he just battered of Shane in that exchange against the ropes. I don't know if you remember. You probably remember this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the fight, he was like, look, everybody kept talking about his speed. This is speed, that, speed, speed, speed. And he's like, I told everybody, you beat speed with the jab and with good yes. time. So, yeah, I agree 100% that that is got to be a key to victory for Joe. I just see Joe struggling a little bit because he's not the most fleet of foot. Right. He isn't the, the a quickest guy with his hands, even when he does let his hands go. And when I look at Vlasov's style, I see a very tricky boxer. Not a cutie pie. No. But a guy who is, like, like you said, herky-jerky. Right, coming at angles, constantly moving his feet, constantly moving his head, and like I said, he's he was sturdy at cruiserweight. I think he's going to be sturdy at 175. And look, I'm picking, I'm taking the upset here if it even is an upset. I haven't really checked the odds, but I have got Maxim Vlasov winning this fight. As much as I agree with Dave from the 408 in why a Joe Smith victory. Would be very good for, especially for fight fans like me that live in the United States. It would be great if we could have a Joe Smith fighting at the Barclays or at the Garden here in New York City in a title fight. But yeah, I, especially if it's against a guy like Canelo, which he mentioned. But no, I have Vlasov uh, winning this fight. I think Vlasov had his shot at championship level um, at a title at one, uh, sorry, at 200 at cruiserweight. And he realized, you know, he's going to be better at 175, so he's come back down. 
you know, my thing is, is that here are two things uh, going into this fight, okay, is, yeah, Joe Smith is who he is, not the fastest guy, doesn't have the quickest feet, but he is very consistent with his punches, which are normally one, two, three punches, okay, the left, straight right, and sometimes the hook. I hope he mixes it up. He's going to have to have the the, the jab uh, really leading everything into the bigger punches. And he's going to have to try to work that body. If he can get to that body of, of Vlasov uh, as, much, as much as he can, okay? Uh, with Vlasov, my question is, is dropping down from 200 to 175, does it weaken him? Is it going to affect him? Um all that has to come into play. And, you know, those questions you normally don't want to find out what a big, strong guy like Joe Smith, who's got a big, strong punch in that right hand. Yeah, that's a very good point. You know, the weight can can have an impact. Um, but I do not see it being as much of a big deal as it was, let's say, for Chris Bird or even for Roy Jones, because they went down like significant weight classes. Right. From heavyweight, I think Chris Bird went all the way down to 168, didn't he? And I know uh, that Roy Jones uh, skipped over cruiserweight going up and going down uh, to uh, fight at light heavyweight. So I, I don't know if it's going to be as big of a deal um, because he wasn't the biggest cruiserweight, to be fair. I, He's really lanky. It could at come six, into play, David. I'm not going to say right. not. But, I, I mean, no. he's at 6'3", he's pretty lanky, you know. Yeah, um, you know, um, when I say weaken, it can always weaken your legs, you know. And that's the one thing that Vaslov, is kind of, he depends on. He, he really depends on his legs. But I tell you what, you mentioned something earlier that so, there was so much truth to it. He's not a cutie. He moves forward with that herky-jerky. And that could benefit... Joe Smith, you know, it's not one of those herky jerkies where he's, you know, taking a step back and then, you know, doing a shot or whatever, you know, he's actually walking you down as well, you know, so that could be a big plus for Joe Smith to catch him walking in to a big shot. I just think that Joe Smith, though, is going to have to mix up just the jab and I know he's a head hunter, but I think at some spots he's going to have to try to get into that body, work that body a bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, so you're gonna go with uh, Vaslov. Yeah, I'm going with Vlasov by decision. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with you as well. I think that, you, but you know what? Just also really quick to add about Joe Smith Jr. Win or lose, you gotta applaud this kid. Not just for what Dave, for what Dave was mentioning or what you were mentioning, but the fact that he still. T- doesn't try to continue to go on these rough, uh, uh, you know, uh, easy roads. He's going through some rough patches of fighters that are really good, you know, um, that that bring out the best of Joe Smith Jr. Uh, even though he's a limited guy, um, you know, he's a limited guy, but he makes it work. And I'm hoping that I'm completely wrong on the decision. Um, and I think that the betting odds are against Vlasloff uh, because he's He's like not very known. Uh, it's like a lot of folks were saying here. Like I don't know who he is. I never seen him. Um, I think that's why they're they're betting against him. Uh, but this is going to be a tough tough assignment for Joe Smith Jr. to get past. Yeah, I mean he has not been given the easy road by any means at all, any means at all. 
And I know we've got a topic that's been in the news a lot, David, if you want to uh, introduce it. Yeah, let's go into our next talk. We're all done with here with the fights, guys. If you still want to call in, 347-460-1773. We probably got another, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes here on Leave a Ring before we sign off. But, uh, you know, so the big news is, again, we got the glove gate. We got the Spike Walter. We got Deontay Wilder not accepting the fact that he got a one-sided beatdown from Tyson Fury in their rematch. Uh, and instead wants to still continue that, you know, everything uh, was against them except for the guy that was in front of him. And he really just drug his trainer, who is an ex-fighter, Olympian, very accomplished uh, uh, fighter and trainer, which is Mark Breland, uh, named through the mud. I mean, he drugged them through the from the backyard, through the house, through the front yard, lawn, through the driveway, and onto the street, on on, and just dragged them through the asphalt, pretty bad. And Mark decided to uh, um, get on a podcast, which was, I believe, called Stanima for Sale. Am I right about that? The podcast is called The Fight Is Right. It's co-hosted by uh, Spencer Fearin, who's a uh, pretty well-known boxing pundit out there in the UK and boxing historian and the guy that a lot of people have ridiculed um, sometimes for good reason actually Tunde Ajayi the uh, trainer of uh, Anthony Yard they co-host a podcast on a channel called Stamina for Sale and uh, yeah, they had uh, they had Mark Breeland on. I know you wanted me to play some audio. You still want me to do that? Dave? Yeah, let's play some audio. So, so folks that haven't heard the interview or don't know exactly uh, what Mark Breeland Breeland had finally has responded back to Deontay Wilder about his accusations, they can take a, a quick listen. Oh, here we go. He went at it, and, you know, listen. I'm again. I'm saying uh, uh, easy. Um, uh, uh, Easy Bank says JD's had the water. You never had the water. JD's had the water. So, again, that's even r- ludicrous to say such a thing. Working with Deontay, how long have you been working with Deontay prior to the last fight? It's whole career. Wow. So basically, one of the problems with this interview, Dave, honestly, is that they didn't do any kind of proper sound check. Essentially, Mark Breland was not wearing a headset or a mic and was standing. Yeah, he was really far from the from the laptop. He was probably speaking on and uh, Tunde was the only one wearing a headset and and the sound quality was bad. But uh, we can put out the link at the end of the show for anyone who wants to watch it. I guess stamina sale is the channel. And essentially what he was saying there is, look. And it's funny that he doesn't have the nickname The Quiet Man and John Ruiz does because Mark Breland is a very quiet guy. He is. Uh, 
he was essentially saying that look, it's ridiculous. I wasn't even responsible for the water. Like JDs was responsible for the water. JDs was the one who saw the hand wrapping take place. And I've been with this guy from the beginning of his career. And uh, the fame, the the most significant quote he gave in that interview was essentially saying that he thinks that Wilder's finished. And right. I, we both kind of mentioned that in different ways psychologically for you to be co-signing and these excuses and making up all these excuses your own it doesn't sound like you understand what's going on or why you lost or 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 have any true honest idea about how you can possibly beat tyson fury because i gotta tell you i don't think he ever beats tyson fury yeah i mean i mean there's always that one punch that can beat tyson fury I mean, he dropped him. He hurt him in the first fight. Second fight, he just couldn't touch him. And that was because... Yeah. Made those adjustments, you know. Um, You know... I don't know if... I don't know if Deontay Wilder is finished. You know, and I think anybody that... I think uh, Mark uh, Breland... It's closer to know whether or not he is. I think he has more right than anybody to say Deontay Wilder is done, you know. Um, but I think also too, there's got to be some, you know, um, um, re- retaliating to the accusations, you know, because that's got to hurt, you know, where you put all this time and effort into a guy, you're trying to groom him to be. Uh, one of the you know one of the best heavyweights uh, for this era, or at least uh, a very talented you know um, title holder, and the guy betrays you or you know backstabs you, and vice versa. That's obviously what Deontay Wilder decided to use him as the patsy, you know, and go after Mark Breland, uh, Breland's uh, uh, credibility. Um, Absolutely. You know, which, which, you know, there's always a backstory. I always tell folks, you know, or like even my kids, there's two sides to a coin. You know, we don't know the full story of what happened. Um, was there trouble in paradise before that? I, I don't know. All we could do is speculate because of what we're hearing and what we're reading. Um, you know, it's just, it's sad though that you just, and when you, when you mention he's the quiet man, that's a generation thing there. You know, he's old school, you know, and look how long it took him to actually speak out about all of this stuff that's been said about him, you know? And what's unfortunate, and, you know, I did a, a, a stream earlier on the Leaving in the Ring Live at 5, and you joined me for that one, Dave. You've got guys on YouTube now literally calling for the death of Mark Greeley. Right. Over this. I mean, it's it's gotten to, like, ridiculous levels. You're calling for the death of Mark Breland? Accusing the man of essentially being involved in attempted murder? I mean, it's insane. It is insane, you know? And it, it's... It's... It's uh, it's sad. It's sad that some folks are actually... I mean, I can hear... I can understand why, like, Deontay Wilder in a heated moment would say something like that because, I mean... Uh, his brother has got in the scuffle. Uh, Wilder's got in the scuffle. You know, they brought that street element to the game. But to see your fans act a fool 
and to ask for the death of an elderly man. This Mark Breland could be your grandfather for crying out loud. And you're asking for bodily harm to this man? Not even bodily harm. You're asking for his death? Like, yeah. how low can you go? That, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're going on the shows and threatening uh, Sugar Hill and accusing him of, like, being involved. In, it's absolutely insane. You know, but, the, the whole thing with the... Look, here's the thing. Let's get the rundown of what Deontay Wilder, you know. First, it's the suit. Uh, it was too heavy. It weighed out his legs. Um, I remember I remember the, the fight starting and the, the prelim fights were going on and I saw them rubbing down Deontay Wilder's legs. And I remember specifically looking over at my guests that were there uh, at my home telling them, like, why are they rubbing this guy's leg? They shouldn't be massaging his legs. You know, that's that's like a no-no. That from the Hearns fight. In right. The Knights, uh, HBO documentary. At least right. that's why Yes, and so, so, and then he goes in. The other accusation was that uh, there was an egg weight that was in uh, Tyson Fury's glove. Then his hands were out of the glove. That he was hitting him with the palm of his of, of his of his hand uh, to the spike water, and that Mark Breland was part of the Kronk, and there was a whole conspiracy. To now that there's an Irish mob guy who does there is truth that. Tyson Fury and even BJ Saunders, who blows, um, has had connection with this guy. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Did I say? Did I say that out loud? <laughs> you know, I don't even think I don't even think I've ever heard you say the words Billy Joe. I think you always refer to BJ. BJ. Dude, I'd kill myself if my name was BJ. Like seriously, BJ Flores. He blows too. <laughs> Uh, but okay, so so all of these conspiracies, okay, and uh, you know the one thing I was like, man, if 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 I was gonna stick to one, to one that actually would probably hold more weight on anything that they have accused everybody around them, including the flies on the wall, I would have went in with the massaging my legs. I would have said my team screwed up and massaged my legs. But it also brings me back to thinking this. Um, when you're the head of the household, you're the one that's supposed to have order in your house. You're supposed yeah, to have control. Absolutely. Look, you know, at one point, maybe we can do this one together, Dave. I'm thinking of putting together a show where we discuss kind of some of the worst decisions managerial-wise in the history of boxing or no, I wouldn't say history, but at least since I've been watching the sport super seriously. I think of uh, Nacho Perez Day sending uh, Juan Manuel Marquez over to the to Indonesia for like, what was it, 150000 bucks or something to fight Chris John instead of fighting Pacquiao in a rematch or like multiple millions and then losing right. over there. Right. I think that was a big one. Thank God for Marquez to be able to come back. Um, then obviously there was Deontay Wilder basically turning his nose at over $100 million to fight AJ uh, multiple times, uh, along with obviously Brazil in the first fight, uh, on the zone. He turned that down. And then following that, uh, they allowed this contract to expire. <laughs> yeah, they I sure mean, did. What is going on over there in that house, man? 
Well, that house obviously was uh, in turmoil, you know, and um, you, you know what? Uh, it was a tough loss for this kid, Deontay Wilder, you know, and that's evident. You, you see that. There's evidence to that that this was very, it was a hard, this is a hard pill to swallow because he's thinking, I had this dude, but this mofo got back up. Like, like the Undertaker, like this was written in the in the ending of a, of a this like this was written in a, in a in a scene of Michael Myers the Halloween. Why did he not stay down? I bet you what kicks him in the ass the most though, uh, Milkar, is that he thought that I had him out on the twelfth round and I'm gonna get him out early because I got the power and this guy can't withstand that. If I I just gotta land again, I gotta land it again. But he never took in consideration that the other guy was going to go and find a team to establish a, 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 a fight plan, which that's what teams do. You know, when you watch, when I, like, I'm not a big football fan, okay? I, I watched a little bit of the uh, Super Bowl last night, and, you know, Tom Brady and this guy and this guy. I've always said that boxing, the fighter's the quarterback, okay? He's got to shoot the pa the passes to get the touchdowns, which is the opponent's face. But the tower coaches are your team. Those are your eyes to see the things you're not able to see because you're up close in action. That's what Deontay Wilder is missing. Mark Breland is a, an accomplished fighter, an Olympian. He, this guy was telling this guy what to do, but it was Deontay Wilder. They opt not to follow through with those instructions. When Shelly Finkel signed Deontay Wilder as a pro, he brought in Mark Breland. Yes. Because anybody yes. who knows anything about boxing looks at JDs and knows that this motherfucker ain't a real, like a real actual uh, championship level coach. I mean, the corner yep. work. Can we discuss that another time? Because I know we're going to wrap up soon. Right. Corner work in these fights has been atrocious. Oh, no. Really I, bad. But you know, it, it goes to when people that I've spoken to that worked with Deontay Wilder or know the camp, they've all said Deontay does what he wants. You know? He does what yeah. he wants. It's hard, you know? And you can see the glimpse of Mark Breland. If you watch tape of Deontay Wilder, and, and like when he fought Ortiz or when he blew out Stavern, you can watch glimpse of what Mark Breland has worked with him. Like the jab, when the kid uses the jab, he's got a great, uh, a sturdy jab. The jab in the straight right. Yeah, the straight I mean, right. When he times it, when he actually settles down. And, and mm -hmm. I, you know, my two biggest criticisms of Deontay Wilder back in the day is one, I called him the Bambi of heavyweights because his legs were never underneath him. He was all over the place. He would fall into his punches. Uh, you know, uh, but the other one was that he was too emotional sometimes. It worked, but I said, eventually, that's not going to work. What do you do from there? What do you do from there? You know, but going back with Mark Breland, this is how I, this, and this is like I said, I, I wasn't there. You weren't there. Nobody was there. Okay. But this is really where I stand when I'm listening to two men. One is one guy's been crying wolf from the beginning where the other guy was like, I'm going to stand back and I'm going to let the dust settle and then I'll talk. And normally when that person does that, it's because they're telling you 
there's truth to what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been really ridiculous. And uh, what's unfortunate is that it has led to almost a movement behind Wilder uh, that is totally devoid of, like, reality or any kind of sensible <clears throat> thinking. It's insane. Right. And it's led to almost an egomaniacal, narcissistic, sociopathic tendency within Wilder that is got to be uh, unhealthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's got to be an unhealthy way to live your life, let alone for the people around you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, he, the, the dude needs therapy, man. And I'm not just saying that uh, casually or as a joke. I mean, he's going to need to see some kind of a sports psychologist to get right with what happened and to get back anything that he previously had. I so agree. My, my thoughts. No, I'm no Dr. I... No Phil. Just my two cents on the matter. Yeah, he's got to take some tough medicine, unfortunately, Deontay Wilder. Let's move on, man. We got two more topics, and we got to get going here. Um, let me ask you guys this. What do you think about Howell Diaz? I know Howell Diaz is now the trainer, uh, uh, Yildemir, uh, Yildemir, right? Um, who's, you, you, I can't even say that word. We'll just go with the other guy. <laughs> right? Um, he's he, he's going to be fighting uh, Canelo Alvarez. This month, and uh, do you think that he's going to make a big difference for the kid to get in with Canelo? I mean, I know Howell Diaz is saying he is, you know, and Howell Diaz is pointing out some of the flaws that Canelo does, which is that he's got to be on top of him. Uh, He's got to not let Canelo get in his groove, but it's a lot tougher to do than to say, right? Well, I do think that he's improved a lot since the Chris Eubank, Eubank Jr. fight. In fact, I thought he was winning the Darrell fight before it was stopped. And uh, had to be uh, sent to the court, uh, scorecards for a technical decision. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he has improved. Apparently, he's been working really hard on his technique in the pandemic. Right. And we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't think he's going to beat Alvarez. But, uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that he's probably improved. He's still relatively young, too. He is really wrong. And, I, and I, Ron, I agree with you. Uh, Joel Diaz definitely knows how to command a corner. I've always been big on Joel Diaz. Uh, you know, uh, the way he worked with Timothy Bradley, the way he's worked with a lot of guys. I mean, he has a good eye of making adjustments and telling and giving his guys uh, direction, which is sometimes really difficult for a quarterman because, you know, you just think that the fighter's under pressure. The quarterman, the trainer's under pressure as well. Those big red, those big uh, bright lights hitting you on your back, they make you sweat and they make you nervous as well. And sometimes trainers shell up. They tend to like, you know, fall apart. It is their... It, it, it has to be their moment, too. You know, either they live up to it or they fall apart. Well, this has shown under the fire. He knows what to say, and he knows how to translate what's in his head and what he's seen to his fighters. This is a really interesting fight. It's more interesting, in my opinion, that Joel Diaz is on that corner. Or it could just be that Canelo is just going to go out there and just be Canelo. Yep. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of both. I think we're going to see him improve, and I also think that Canelo is going to do his thing and win. So, but yeah, we should definitely break that down uh, further 
as we get closer to the fight. Oh, absolutely. You know, not to put not unless Diaz shows up with a steel chair, a la WWE style. I agree with you. Now, Ryan Garcia, always in the news. The kid knows how to market himself and keep himself out there in social media. Uh, you know what? Everybody consistently is talking about him. But the big talks was about him because he was saying he wanted to fight Manny Pacquiao. Since Manny Pacquiao and Conor McGregor, it, you know, it fizzled. It fell apart because Conor McGregor got knocked out. So a lot of folks say, hey, well, I don't want to see that fight anymore. So Manny Pacquiao's got to find another dance partner. Ryan Garcia being Ryan Garcia and being a smart kid is that, you know, gets on social media and says, hey, Manny, Senator, I'll fight you. And everybody to see everybody seemed to be on board of it, on board with it, except for Eddie Reynoso. Eddie Reynoso said, I'm not into this fight. I think it's a bad fight. It yeah. didn't sound like Golden Boy was ever very excited. Excited about what? Yeah. Eric and Gomez, uh, president, was not excited yeah. about it. Thought that it was a bad fight for for the kid. I mean, for Ryan Garcia, and it. I mean, Manny's just too much, even at this age. I mean, if eighty percent of the Manny that showed up for Thurman a little over a year ago shows up for Ryan Garcia, that dude's getting washed in a couple rounds. Absolutely, you know, is just not tight enough to deal with a guy who punches hard with both hands at angles out of the southpaw stance, which already led to be him, him being dropped by fucking Luke Campbell, who does not right. hit, hit close to as hard as Manny Pacquiao. So, yeah, that was always going to be a bad fight for uh, Ryan Garcia and was really only going to be a fight really to make money. So, Absolutely. There was a cash grab, and also it was a way to become a big name, uh, you know, household name, which Ryan Garcia, you can see, is chasing that fame. Um, you know, I like the beginning talks of him fighting like uh, Tanks Davis. And, Eddie, and he, luckily, Eddie Reynoso kind of agrees with that. He says, look, the better fight is going after Tank Davis. That's the fight I should go. You know, yeah. And same thing with Eric Gomez, the president of the Golden Boys. That's a better fight, you know. And the, uh, Eddie Reynoso pointed out the reasons why the Pacquiao fight wasn't really good. He would have to move up in weight. And Manny has an extensive amount of experience. Yeah. And Ryan doesn't. And Ryan needs to slow down. And you don't really gain that much by knocking out a 44-year-old or, or or beating him or even being in a close fight with him. You just don't, other than money. It, I, look, we need to see him against Davis. And right. this kind of analysis is why Reynoso's obviously, to me, one of the most underrated managers in the game. Like, he has expertly managed Canelo Alvarez. I don't think there, yes. there are many. Many fighters in the last 10, 15 years that have been managed as well as Canelo. Yes, frustrating the way they managed them and moved them, but it all paid off. And he knows what's best for his fighters. You know, he, like he said, look, I don't, I, I'm just here to train them. Um, I can put in a little bit of my input, and Ryan respects it. But at the end of the day, Ryan Garcia is going to do what Ryan Garcia feels fit and what his dad and his manager think they should go about okay but i think at the end of the day they should listen to eddie reynoso because look where he's been able to get his fighter canelo alvarez too you know at the same time too you gotta listen to eddie gomez they know where how to direct him they've done a pretty good job at it so i think that ryan garcia 
uh, whether it was uh, clout or whatever the case was, maybe it was really serious. I think he is really serious about Fanny Manny Pacquiao. I think he needs to pump those brakes a little bit and listen to the guy that's training him and showing him the way to be a great champion. You know, I think if he just sticks to that plan, I think the road leads to where he's hoping to eventually get, which is up to the top of the hill and be a big superstar. Uh, because I think what they're trying to do is build up another Oscar De La Hoya. Though I think, I don't think they'll ever be able to produce another Oscar De La Hoya. No, and they, they won't. I mean, look, let's face it. De La Hoya won the gold in Barcelona in 1992, national primetime television. You, you, it's very difficult to repeat that. When is Andy Ruiz going to fight again? Don't know, bro. Honestly, there's been so many rumors and back and forth of dates. Uh, there's nothing been really solid. You know, there was talks of Chris the Nightmare Oriella as the comeback, but that was last year. But then the pandemic uh, stepped in and said, nah, you guys going to have to wait. But, uh, you know, Andy Ruiz has been in camp with uh, Eddie Reynoso. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll you know, hoping later see that there's going to be a scheduled date for him to return to the ring. Because I'm really excited to see Andy Ruiz to see what he does next. Okay, guys, we're all up and talked out here in boxing on leaving the ring. Um, you want to give the rundown really quick, man, of our set shows on the rotation uh, for... Uh, go ahead. Absolutely. So, uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays... I host the Live at 5, the Leave It in the Ring Live at 5 show, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. 10 p.m. out there for the U.K. fans out there uh, in the GMT, 10 p.m. your time. Then we have the main show, the flagship show here, 8 p.m. Eastern, uh, 5 p.m. Pacific time. This is Leave It in the Ring, all right, with Dave Duenas and myself. After which, I believe, Shine goes live at 10 p.m. Easter. Um, Tuesdays, we've got a big uh, show by D Style and G Funky, Hispanics Causing Panic, HCP. Who's down with HCP? I definitely am. I know you too are, David. And then Wednesdays is HCP Uncensored on G Funky's channel. That's 9 p.m. Eastern. All right. 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thursdays, back on D Style's channel. It's the Leave It in the Ring roundtable unfortunately i will not be on that show this week but i look forward to tuning in on itunes google podcast pandora iHeartRadio, all of those places where you can catch us on demand obviously we do every now and again something on a saturday when there are big fights and then obviously ringside reporter sunday nights and that takes place 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific so i think that's it right Dave? Yeah, I'll be on tomorrow on the quick takes. I believe at 10 p.m. I'm going to be talking about Gennady Golovkin. Does the Canelo draw and loss define his career? And what does he need to do to get everybody's mindset away from that? Um, what fights he needs to take on? Uh, of course, fortunately, I won't be able to take calls. But I tell you what I could do is put us the link up like Wade Milkar is doing. So if you want to jump in and join in on that conversation, uh, we could talk about Triple G and what and who you guys think he needs to face to kind of, you know, get him past, move him forward away from Canelo because it just looks like, you know, if he doesn't start facing anybody else, he's forever going to be just linked to Canelo. And that's what he's going to be remembered for. Well, I mean, other than the Canelo fights, what has he really done? 
That's what I mean. That's what we're going to talk about. Uh, so, again, everybody, you guys have a great weekend. See you guys tomorrow, Tuesday night at 10 p.m. here on Leave the Ring, a milk car. As always, it's a pleasure. Folks, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Awesome. Take care, everyone. See you next Monday. You're listening to you're listening to Leave the Ring. You're listening to you're listening to Leave the Ring.